And sometimes it takes it to another level. It's just based, just kind of just teasing, man. So I just feel like right now the state of where women are was acceptable. Good evening, Conversation with Friends family, and we are at episode nine of Conversation with Friends, where we come to you guys every second and fourth Wednesday of the month, and tonight we have a very good show uh, planned, building and maintaining wealth in the Black community, and um, we believe that this show is of is very critical and it's very important, and um, we have a beautiful panel tonight as well as my co-host and myself are here. So tonight we have Paula Shipman Roberts. Hey, Paula. Hey. <laughs> Paula is a level one trauma certified nurse, uh, owner and operator of Roberts Anesthesia Services, Roberts Target Financials, LLC, the VP and CFO of Summa Prime Healthcare, as well as an author of the upcoming book, Excessive Debt is a Disease That Can Be Cursed. Woo. Through her financial literacy program, she hopes to positively impact the life of an individual, their family, and change the landscape of community. Paula, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Melodic? All righty. Our next guest is Michael McKinney. Michael McKinney is a Bronx, New York native, a passionate and powerful speaker, an unconventional entrepreneur and business coach who thrives at the intersection of disrupting traditional business practices and creating access and opportunity for the next generation of business leaders. He is passionate about business development for the everyday citizen. He has 15 years experience in financial literacy, business development, and real estate, as well as a dad to five. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Um, our next uh, person is actually our guest host for the night, and uh, this was his brainchild, this particular topic, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think it's going to be an interesting topic. Um, uh, Milton Garrick is a 20-year veteran math teacher who hails from Delaware State University. He received the highest daily attendance award as an adult uh, sorry, for an adult classroom in 2012, given by Mayor Michael Bloomberg. He has taught as, at various institutions like Columbia University, Bronx Community College, Borough of Manhattan Community College, and Hostos. He is a motivational speaker for young adults, a math coach for teachers, a private math tutor, a mortgage consultant and real estate investor, CEO of XRG Group, as well as CEO of mathmovements.com, which specializes in custom customized math charts for students in grades three through seven. Milton, welcome to the show. And thank you I'm so much. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So first of all, I'd definitely like to thank you and thank our guests for coming on. Um, good evening to everyone. Um, for, for allowing me to be the co-host with such a, a um, delicate topic, 
that I think is so important is like, it means a lot to me. Not only because it's for me, because I think that it's gonna affect our kids and our kids' kids. So of course we're not experts on the topic, but we're bringing our testimony. And I believe like testimonies are expert advice for people who have actually done it, going through um, different hardships, making mistakes, correcting them and learning from people, people through networking. Um, especially in the current climate right now that we're in, um, just going to the gas station, you can see it. You know, financial the financial climate is completely upside down. I think going to the um, supermarket, I went to the supermarket the other day, bacon is what, like $13, guys? $13, $14? The new caviar. <laughs> I'm telling you. So it's like we have to do something different because the budgets that we've been keeping are completely in shambles based on the changes that we've been going through. So building and maintaining wealth in a black community is our topic tonight and it's something that is dear to me. And it's not just building wealth for black people. Of course, the, um, the tools that we're gonna be sharing tonight are gonna be for anybody that they can actually implement. But we cannot um, ignore the fact that our black community is suffering. You know, um, just, I know Melo's gonna go over a couple statistics with you guys, but just to say one, um, the average white household in America has 10 times more in their account, in their savings account and checkings account than a black family. You know, and we know it's not through effort. And we know we've built this country, we've here, we've put through a lot of effort. So we have to kind of um, fill that gap. And the gap that I'm talking about is the wealth gap. And I believe that the wealth, wealth gap is really the information gap. It's lack of information, lack of exposure. Um, it's been illegal for us to have an education in this country at some point for hundreds of years. And, you know, and that was followed by Jim Crow. So for all of those different things I came up with, um, and just for, through research, because none of these are like completely original, but listening to great people that are doing what we're doing and trying to do, um, I came up with four things that people really need to have in terms of filling this wealth gap for black people and for anyone. So for one, mindset. And I think mindset tonight, is gonna be the basic theme of everything else that we talk about. Because um, your mindset and going within is really taking away all the other distractions that are placed there for you not mm -hmm. to go within and be the best that you could be. You know, where there's a lot of doubt in the black community from lack of, a lack of information. Um, so we're also gonna go into budgeting, budgeting better, um, as we just talked about with just inflation and everything that's going on and just people's um, different habits that they have in terms of budgeting. Um, different investments such as stocks and real estate, um, in terms of stocks, I'm looking to learn some more tonight myself, but I know stocks goes up in America 10% every year. So it's not something that we cannot we can ignore. It's a great investment. Um, real estate is something I can tell you a little bit more about. We're actually going to have a good friend of mine come on, um, Kathleen Castillo, later on to talk a little bit more about life insurance. And that's something I'm looking forward to hearing more about. And again, if we're talking about wealth, um, we're talking about actually educating our kids as well. Because if you're talking about wealth, you're talking about longevity. So you could do all of this work and you know what everybody's gonna face one day is that we're not gonna be here and all of your work could go up in smoke in 24 months, 12 months, six months, if they're not educated in doing what they're supposed to be doing. So with that being said, I welcome everybody and let's jump into our first question. So we're talking about wealth. What is wealth? I mean, we see rich people all the time. We see rich people on TV. And, you know, remember, I want you guys to also keep in mind that we have some younger listeners that are just completely oblivious to some of the topics and things that we may take for granted. So what is wealth to anyone? I mean, we could start this off wherever. Paul, I think you're on mute there. Yeah. Uh, wealth. Um, 
I have a problem with the concept of wealth versus rich. Um, there's a there's a, a speaker named Dennis Kimbrough, and Dennis says the poor keep score by cars and clothes. The middle class keeps score by degrees and titles, but the rich keep score by their bank accounts. So rich versus wealthy, that's all a lifestyle thing for me. I I work in an I work and I live in an environment where people have generational wealth, right? And when I say generational wealth, I mean cultural assets that are passed down. We're talking about education being a priority, living in their own homes being a priority, being in a position to give their children's assets so that they can pass it down from generation to generation. That's wealth. Wealth doesn't mean the tangible dollar to me. I was born in a housing project in Queens, New York, and I grew up in Section 8 housing. New York City. New York City, Queens. <laughs> so I know a lot about not having. But when you talk about what you've read, I can tell you what I know. Mm-hmm. My father was born in 1922. He mm-hmm. was a sharecropper in North Carolina. Okay. My dad was not allowed to read or write. Couldn't go to school. His only escape was to go into World War II but he came back with a GI bill and couldn't buy a home. Mm. So he, and you know, you need to read, uh, this is a book called The Warmth of, of Other, uh, excuse me, The Warmth of Other Sons by Isabel Wilkinson. The Warmth of Other Sons? The warmth of, the warmth of Other Sons. Mm. And she talks about how hard it was to just leave that environment. So my dad came here to build wealth. He didn't have any tangible dollars, but his wealth was, being in a position to feed his family through work. Mm -hmm. So he taught us how to work. That's right, which is priceless. It's like the difference between giving you a fish and giving you a fishing rod and teaching you how to fish. It's a whole big difference. Hey, Mike, did you want to add something to that? Like what is wealth? What Uh, is wealth versus riches? The the best way I can sum up, and that that was was excellent. The best way I, I look at it in terms of, I believe it was Chris Rock said it one time. He said, rich can be messed up with a drug habit. In a good summer, <laughs> wealth is different. Like, if a wealthy person wakes up and looks at his bank account and he has what a rich person has in a bank, he's ready to commit suicide. Because <laughs> right. they're nowhere near each other. Right. Like, wealth means that we're talking generational, which means that we are able to take care of the kids that are not here yet and the grandkids that are coming in generational. So, so there's an implication to it that it's that it's almost that it is systematic in nature, and it just it's it's something that's like almost like a machine. That right. keeps going, right. as opposed to riches. We made a couple of great moves. We're in a decent position, and we can buy pretty much what we want. But that's right. not wealth. Right. <laughs> yeah, wealth is like you know, there are going to be buildings on the university of your great grandchildren's school named right. after you. That's right. wealth. It sounds so. It sounds like wealth is more so consistency, and and continuing. And having a flow in a stream, not just a good summer or a good year, and it's, or even a good and, life. And it's even, insulated. It's recession-proof. It's asset-protected because and, generational wealth outlasts pandemics, outlasts you know, recessions, outlasts right. downtrends. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike. Something that's just that that's systematic and it's able to maintain. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to talk about some different ass, um, things that are not privy to the average person in terms of how we can protect our money and protect our assets and not go through um, situations like um, 
kids fighting over um, an asset or a house once the parents die. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever heard about probate, but I deal with that um, in real estate where, you know, somebody may have passed and, you know, you have a house with the siblings and it could get so, so messy. So an alternative to that, as I was talking to a good friend of mine today, um, Gerald Smith, he's the um, owner of this capital, um, a bank that I work with, and he was talking about trust. And trust is just something that you could put your money into. And, you know, it's much easier to, to um, you know, to, to allocate once the person passed. There is no probate. So these are just information that, you know, we don't, don't learn about. Um, so moving on a little bit. Um, another thing that I did hear today is that with wealth is that the black, the black dollar doesn't stay within the black community, right? We may, take, we may make some money, right? But then it may stop at the chicken spot if we own a chicken spot. You know, it may stop at the car wash, but it's not it's not towards big things like homes. Like I finance homes for people across the nation, commercial, residential. Um, everybody here um, facilitates some type of sort right here in our network, right here on the screen. So using people like us that look like you kind of keep it a little bit more. So we have to think long term when it comes to that black dollar. Um, other communities, the Jewish community, they don't um, charge their own people interest on loans. They have a whole community. You go to Brooklyn, like everything, the store, the grocery store, the school, you know, everything. Yes, everything is insulated, as Mike mm -hmm. was saying. Um, Muslims do the same thing. So um, why is building and maintaining wealth in the Black community so difficult? And why is it so important? Why is it so difficult? And why is it so important? Well, if I, first of all, why is it so important is because I always say the road to equality is paved with finances, mm -hmm. right? They may not respect us, but they're going to have to respect the dollar eventually when, when we learn how to properly wield it, wield it, not hold it, not spend it, use it as a weapon. When we learn how to properly wield it, we'll have all the respect we need, right? So knowing that finances is, the way, is, is your path to independence, it makes it a necessity. It makes it where the community has to be strong. Has to be, that's why it's important. Mm -hmm. um why is it so hard is the powers that be knew that and that's why they they did the the, the systemic things they did to breed the distrust i always say black and brown people we do not discuss health and finances and those two things would be the death of us mm -hmm. okay if you're those same communities you just named uh uh islamic uh hasidic uh italian uh when they have an issue and you have a stomach ailment you talk to the other paisanos on the block and they tell you mama had the same ailment and they say you to an italian doctor the village it's, yeah you're good the and village th it's a circle it's a village approach whereas opposed to if i had friends that i've grown up with and their mm -hmm. parents have died in front of me and to this day i can't tell you what their exact ailment is because we do not discuss health and finances Correct. i can lose my mother to the same thing because you didn't tell me exactly what's going on. Right. And let me know what you went through. And right. it's the same thing with finance. And that's why it's important for us to, 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 to establish it and maintain it. Right. And, 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 and put in a vehicle that's of a different mindset. So opening the discussion, kind of like what we're doing tonight. This is kind of like the beginning of, of spreading wealth, guys. Information is so, so key. I agree 100% on that. Mrs. So, Roberts, know, did you have anything to add to that? Sorry. I do, I yes. Do. yes. It's interesting because I am a nurse anesthetist. Okay. I am a registered nurse licensed to give anesthesia. What is, yeah, what is that? What is an anesthetist? I am a, I am a registered nurse licensed okay. to give anesthesia. And I've been giving anesthesia since 1994. Wow. 
So the interesting thing is that I work in the inner city. I work in level one trauma. Mm -hmm. I see it all. Mm -hmm. So when I see patients who look like me, they can relate to me. So when I say to them, are you taking your high blood pressure medication? Uh, you know, I don't have high blood pressure. That's what they say. And I say, that's she was laughing. do you recognize that if your blood pressure and your blood vessels are vasoconstricted, there's mm -hmm. no blood flow going to the rest of your organs? Is that, do you understand that's why you have end-stage renal disease? Do you recognize if you don't control your diabetes? So because I'm in that avenue, mm -hmm. I can have that conversation and mm -hmm. I can relate in terms of what we're eating. You know that macaroni and cheese was so good, but girl, you shouldn't be eating that more than once right. a month. Right. I can have those conversations. Right. And because they see me in that position, people who are my age, who have children who are going to college, are comfortable saying, my daughter's going to go study this. What do you think? I do like this. Mm -mm. Because it's mm -hmm. a waste of money. Right. I mentor tons and tons of young people because I know where we need to go. So when you talk about wealth and wealth building, my book is called Excessive Debt is a Disease. Excessive that can be debt. debt is a disease, guys. Mm. And because we have it within our community, because mm. we're trying to feed on what the larger community says we shouldn't, shouldn't do, the problem is we get stuck. Right. People say to me all the time, I didn't know about credit, but why is your credit score only 500? Well, my mother didn't tell me because there's so much we don't know. There's so much we assume is okay. Right. right. It's okay to have a credit card and max it out. It's okay to go to a uh, go into a, a a car dealership and say, I need to buy this car. And first thing they asked you was, how much can you spend a month? Mm. Mm. How much can I spend? Right. What rate are you giving me? Right. So when right. I ask anybody on the street, the most intelligent people, what's your interest rate? I don't know. Right. I, I pay $500 a month. Right. When I put the numbers by the months that they're paying, whether 60, 72, 84 months, and they realize they're buying that car one and a half times. Three, two or three times. I'm you, <laughs> percent yes. yes. And then you're stuck. And what yes. they don't realize is you're buying a used car and you're, you're, you're financing it for six years. This car is five years old. Right. You're financing it for six years. When you finally pay, and if What's it's the value? Money, then you have to buy a new one. Right. So, my 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 focus is not on teaching people how to buy stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. My focus is teaching them how to get out of debt. And I don't do it for them. I want right. to give you the fishing the rod and the tools so that That's you right. can get your own fish. Right, and that way you know they'll maintain it. And that way you know because they have to do the work themselves. Yes, we don't so have key. the tools in our community. It's it's a generational. It's 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 a it's a curse. Right. It is a curse. Well, it is. I didn't have it. Right. Well, it's difficult because there were certain things put in place purposely. Let's not let's not um, deviate from that. And we know that. But I love how you guys focused on what we could do and not bar what barriers are in our way. Because, you know, what's said is said. And a lot of times people focus on, you know, well, this is not fair. And, you know, racism, and you know, slavery. But at the end of the time, if your next door neighbor could do it, so can you. You know, so you can't make that excuse anymore. But, you know, going from everything from redlining, because there was redlining, you know, and these are all documented. No one. Yeah, no yeah still, so exactly. But, you know, documented and it was like, and it's still there. We're in it. We're in it. Um, where, you know, um, minority communities could not live in certain places, not because they couldn't qualify. You know, they had the same qualifications of other people, but they just weren't granted loans to get these, um, these, um, these loans. 
um, to get these homes and actually build family, um, um, their family wealth. Another thing that I looked at the other day, which was so interesting to me, I think it was on CNN, and I was telling a friend about the CNN 10, 10-minute 10 slots that they have for kids. And they were talking about environmental racism, right? And I was like, hold on, what's environmental racism? So we're from the city. We're from the five boroughs. Most people, we're here, right? So we know that the five boroughs compared to going to Pelham or Country Club or a little bit up in Westchester where there's more greenery, they said that the difference on a day like today could be a 20 degree difference in temperature because of all the lack of canopy in the city. The steel and the concrete absorbs all the heat. So overall, you just living in a place Eating healthy and just being there, you are more susceptible to health issues. You know, that's why the Bronx has the highest asthma rate, I believe, in the, um, in, in the country, right? See, my mom, my mom is a registered nurse. My sister is a registered nurse. My other sister is a cardiologist. So I had a few of the, you know, the tidbits that you were talking about, Ms. Roberts. And I saw that myself and Michael and Q laughed when you started talking about blood pressure because we're black men. So we know, you know, we can relate. And those are things that if we don't know, it could be completely detrimental. Um, we're also going to touch on some credit problems and things that we're going to be talking about, but I want to pass it over to Mello right now, because Mello had some questions, I believe, with that. Mello. Hello, Mello. Hello. So, um, I just have a few questions, um, for our audience. Um, and this is directed towards Paula and Michael. Either one of you can answer or both of you can answer. Uh, the first question is, uh, does carrying a balance on your credit card help or hurt your credit card? Me personally, I, yes, you need to carry a balance, but you need to make sure it's under 30%. They're going to tell you under 30% because that's when it starts to negatively impact your credit. Um, we, we operate credit a little different in this household. Uh, because we we intertwine the business and the credit and the personal and the business credit together, we use them together. But as a rule of thumb, yes, you, you should carry over a balance. You don't you shouldn't pay those off. Uh, pay attention to what's known as your post date. Don't pay attention to your due date. Okay, post date is when those credit cards tell the credit bureaus what your account looks like. Make sure it looks good on that day. Uh, don't I, I don't I don't carry anything of thirty percent into the following month, and I usually try to keep it around ten fifteen, but I'm very precise with it, depending on what we're doing. So yes, but the answer to that question is yes. It's bad to carry a balance. Don't pay it all off, but don't keep anything over thirty percent. Paula, Michael, I <laughs> I'm glad you changed your thought because I was coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My I love clients it. don't carry debt, and you know why? Because debt is taking away your money. Literally, when you pay interest, someone has their hands in your pocket. Get your hands out my pocket. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you don't carry any, if you don't have any balances carried over, you don't pay interest, you don't lose your money. Right. So if I owe you $300, I'm gonna pay you $300. Right. But what people also don't recognize is the banks has changed it up on us because we don't read the fine print. Mm -hmm. It so used to be, your bill is due every 30 days. Then it became tw every 28 days. 28 days. These new credit cards are 23 days. Mm -hmm. So if you're budgeting it to pay your credit card once a month, you're busted because right. now it's every three weeks. Right. That's why you pay post-date, no due date. Yeah. So, so check it out. Don't carry a balance. If you need to use your card, and I, I encourage everyone to use a credit card, use a debit card, excuse me. If you need to use your card, you need to get rid of it. 
that is a, I'm sorry, Paul, say that again, Paula. Paul, Paula yeah. Michael, that's that's a question from the uh, that's a statement from someone on Facebook. Okay. Uh, one of you guys can answer that or or explain if what they're saying is correct. Or... Can you post it again, please, Q? I think I can see it. It says, I only spend what I have. I'll purchase off my credit card and pay half one paycheck, the other half next paycheck. Now, but it's, it seems to me that you're, you're still not caring. You're not accruing any interest you're because pay. you're still paying it off within the time frame. Right. I think maybe <laughs> because, like you said, the new credit card, that's what said. But he's right. The right system. Just make sure. Look what your post date is. Go to Credit Karma. Look for each. Look at each account and see when it says last reported on. It's gonna be the first line in Credit Karma. Although I hate Credit Karma. And you look at that first line and it says reported. Say it says last reported on the fifteenth. That means the fifteenth is your post date. So make sure you have that card at zip before the fifteenth. The sixteenth, do what you got. You can go go back and do, you know you can use it again. But on the 15th, make sure you have it at, like Paula's Paula wants you at zero. I want you, I don't want you to get and, and, and I agree with that 100%, guys. I mean, one of the things that I, I kind of um, prodded myself on was not financing cards. I don't finance cards. I can't do it. I save and I wait and I don't buy the newest car because as a math teacher, when I was teaching my students about interest, the same thing that Paula just said, by the time you finish paying for that car, you're paying two times the amount for the car, right? And that's if you have good credit, you're going to pay a one and a half times to two times. And that's for people with good credit. And then when you finish buying the car, it's only worth pennies on the dollar of what you paid for it. So you're basically, you're throwing money away, you know, and you're still serving the same purpose. So how important it is for you, is it for you to have that at that time? And how much can it set you back from real wealth, something that's actually giving you money? Because black pe as black people, we, we, we invest too much into liabilities, you know, other than um, um, over assets. You know, assets are what we need to be looking at, things that's going to give us money back. You know, if you're renting, no problem, but please rent to own. Please think about ownership, you know, in terms of long term, um, because you owning a house, just owning a house in real estate, just an average person buying a house. You don't have multiple houses. You don't have rentals. You're not flipping houses. But you're every month you're putting money into your pocket because the money that you're paying, you're accruing also in equity. So you if you just add up the amount of money that you spent in rent, any any listener, if you're renting just the past five years, you're going to be very upset. Because that lump sum of money, you're never going to see it again. And if you do what you have to do in terms of the hard work for six months, maybe a year, then you get your, yourself into a situation, everybody else that's, that's depending you into a situation that's going to benefit you in the long term. So I think that those are, those are some key things. Go ahead, Paula. You know, Milton, I agree with you 100%. And my son, my son is 29 years old, and he was living in an amazing apartment downtown Charlotte. Excellent apartment, one bedroom, maybe about $1,200 a month. Okay. Then they decided, well, we're going to increase your rent by $200, $300 a month. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm not doing it. Because he had good credit, he had an excellent credit score. He had an excellent debt to asset ratio. That's right. Your DTI is very important. Yeah. He very was important. able to walk into a program where there was no money down, mm -hmm. no PMI, mm -hmm. All he had to pay was closing costs and he had an interest rate of 3.5%. So imagine if you buy a house that's $300,000 at 3%. And when I say 3%, that's about $300 per 100,000 that you borrow. 
So mm-hmm. now on your mortgage, you're paying $900 a month. Correct. Your taxes is probably another $300 a month. Your insurance is probably another $100 a month. So now you're at $1,400 on an asset that you're building and you're increasing your equity. $300,000 house, 20 years from now, if you maintain your neighborhood, maintain your front lawn, you control your community, meaning you get to know your neighbors. That's you right. do think it's going to increase your, your um, equity within your home. That's 20 right. years from that, you sell that house for $500,000. You can now take that $500,000 divided by your four children and give them each $125,000 or give your grandchildren college education money. That's generational wealth that affects you, your child, your grandchild, your great-grandchild, children that you don't know because you do that with your assets. Right, and the security to withstand an emergency. You know, a lot of people lose everything because of one emergency, one sickness, you know, one mishap that probably wasn't even their fault. So you you owe it to yourself to give them that security. Thank you so Milton, much. That's great. Yes, sir. You have uh, two questions. You got one that's on the screen now that's coming from somebody that's watching and said, what steps do I need to take to start a business line of credit? Okay. okay. So I think that's definitely for you, Mr. McKinney. All right. Uh, to, to start your business. And listen, people, I, some people I know, some people are way more attentive than others. And I, sometimes you see things. So you'll be like, well, Mike and Paula disagree. No, no, we agree that first thing in, in learning this new ideas and these new concepts and money, I want you guys to be very open to them because as you progress to different stages, you're, the rules are going to change. So stay mm-hmm. open and just understand and keep an open mind. All right. And to start your business line of credit, what you'll do is first, you're going to start your business. Okay. Uh, when you start your business, the easiest way some people say, oh, I just did an operating agreement and now I'm in business. That's called a sole proprietorship and we're never going to discuss that again. Okay? <laughs> so you're either going to take it, you're going to form an LLC or you're going to form a C-Corp or an S-Corp, depending on what's going on. Okay? Depending on what your business is. And, and, and the main difference is taxation and how credit is built. So you, you'll keep, you'll learn those, learn the differences, and then you need, you'll see which one fits your business. Now, once you have your business registration, your business paperwork that you actually filed with a, with a, with a location, uh, a lot of people say, well, if I live in New York, I'm going to file New York. If I live here, I'm gonna, that's also not necessarily true. Look for what line of business. If you're doing real estate, you may want to look at Nevada. You may want to look at New Mexico. They have some excellent tax protection for you there. All right. If you're doing uh, high profit, if you're doing business that we, of course, any business we do, we expect to make high profit. You may want to go out of Delaware. The the corporate anonymity is ridiculous uh, and the, no local tax. So once you consider those, now you register your business. Then you'll go to Dun and Bratz, okay? And you will get yourself a Dun's number, all right, to coincide with your business. And that is not off of your social, it's off of your EIN number. That's what you got, your tax ID or your tax ID number, which is what you got as soon as you, soon as you, that was the second step after you got your business paperwork. So now you have your DUNS number. You are going to take and do what they call net 30 accounts. Okay. Now, right now, this because this is Milton and we have another type of relationship. What I'm saying here, there are people right now that are cursing me out and screaming right. because right. they charge $2,500 for you to do this. So I'm telling you what to do. Okay. Right. You are going to go get some net 30 accounts, preferably five of them, like Granger, Uline, Staples, things of that nature, okay? 
get those five accounts, use them responsibly. Responsibly means you are going to use Paula's system. You're going to pay them off and you're not going to carry anything into the next month. Okay. And we'll pay them on time for three cycles. A cycle is usually 30 days. Okay. So for the next 90 days, you will pay those excellently. All right. Once you do that, you will have, you will establish a pay index and a, and, a, and a score for your business. And after three months, if you keep those five accounts maintained responsibly, you should be able to go into a car dealership. Paula, this next credit. Paula, this next question is for you. I awesome. think that one. If I keep it at zero all the time, will it look to the creditors as if I am not? I am not using it frequently. No, 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 no. All of that's being monitored continually. <clears throat> they, people watch your activity. Your activity is mm -hmm. there. But what happens ultimately, your credit, I personally get my um, credit report from Bank of America every month. And it gives me my trend for the entire 12 months mm -hmm. of my credit score. So no, just because it's at zero, it just shows responsibility. Right. And it doesn't have to be a large amount, right? right. We're not saying... Take out, spend five thousand dollars and trying to pay that down. Stick to five hundred. If you need to use your card, and again, what are your goals? Is your goal is your credit score five hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred? What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. I have a client who um, he had a credit score of five hundred and fifty. Went somewhere on Jamaica Avenue, took out a store card, and made a whole bunch of purchases and never paid the bill mm. his credit score is like 550 he's trying to get an apartment and he says paula how can i increase your my credit score we pulled his credit score we pulled his credit report pulled his credit score i said what happened one two and three i didn't pay them i said if you don't pay your bills that affects you until you get them done so somebody told him to go online and go to one of these credit repair services. And when we pulled his report, oh, it appeared, <laughs> no Michael's gonna make that reaction. It appeared that <laughs> he took a loan from them for five hundred dollars, and he's paying them back in fifty dollar increments over the next eighteen months. So if he doesn't pay them, that worsens his credit. But ultimately, they're charging for a loan that they never gave him. Lexington Law, huh? Was it Lexington Law? It was somewhere out of Atlanta. Okay, Milton. <laughs> One second, Milton. Yes. Right. Uh, well, yes. we have Kathleen here. Well, can Kathleen Castillo. Can you hear me well? Yes. We can. We can. How are you doing, Kathleen? Good. Hi, everybody. I, Hello. I'm Milton. He's like my brother. Yes, yes, yes. I've known Kathleen for decades. Again, another person that I've known way before we got into business both work in a nine to five and we reconnect on the business side. So it was great. So one of those things that you talked about Q was trust and why a lot of people don't get into relationships. I think we're talking about that a little bit and that's a big thing. So knowing people like Kathleen and Mike and now I know Miss Roberts, Miss Roberts, I'm gonna be hitting you up. Um, you know, that, that gives me a lot more confidence to do what I'm doing when you see people and you get a chance to talk to them and network. So I think um, Mello had a question for you, Kathleen, just in terms of life insurance. Kathleen's gonna be talking about life insurance with us tonight because that's a big part of um, investing that people don't talk about. I'm actually um, ready to learn a few things because I don't know too much about it. And Kathleen has been kind of calling me and hit me up over the past few months and kind of, you know, getting on top of me to get that together. And I'm definitely interested now. So um, <clears throat> without further ado, go ahead, Melo, shoot away. 
Um, well, first, um, I would like to give Kathleen an introduction. So yes. if you I want to go ahead you. and read her um, bio. Thank you. Do you want awesome. me? To- oh, no, no, I, I got no. You. I got we, you. we haven't. You know, Kathleen was in the back for a minute while um, we were discussing some stuff. So I, I did see you, Kathleen. So I apologize for keeping you back there for so long. Kathleen Castillo is a certified human resources executive with 18 years of HR management experience. She is the founder and CEO of an HR consulting company, Ingrid & Co. LLC, as well as a licensed insurance agent who practices in multiple states. She is on a mission to help families create generational wealth. That's right. Thank you. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you. Listening to you guys talk and... um, I definitely want to help Michael um, help other people um, because there are ways that, and and this is what I did, you can leverage your nine to five to create multiple streams of income for yourself. You can leverage your nine to five to create a business for yourself. There's a lot of companies that offer what you probably have heard, legal plans. They're very inexpensive. I'm a benefits expert in corporations where I've designed the benefits. So if your company offers a legal plan, you can easily enroll into that plan. And guess what? You have access to attorneys and those attorneys. And mind you, it's not going to be no more than $10 a month. Those attorneys will be able to help you open up that LLC, create all the documents that you want, provide those uh, those uh, documents to the state, get your EIN number, get all that in place. Because the reality is most of us are not equipped to understand or do that on your, on our own. You can do it on your own, um, but these are just ways that you can leverage your nine to five. And so that's that's what I did. I, I really found myself understanding the politics of corporate America. You're very dispensable for them. So you Definitely. have income that is not going to allow you to get caught out there. And whenever they decide to do away with you, you're right. not red-handed you don't have anything else in the works right. um, you know I became a life insurance agent uh, primarily because uh, what I see in, in in my corporate set what I do is I go out and I educate employees about their benefits um, deal with open enrollment I worked for a huge Nike manufacturing company and you'd be surprised the people that are doing those hoodies and putting that Nike sign on the the apparel are people from the South, people from some of them, I've literally gone to uh, North Carolina, Concord, North Carolina, to be exact. And I remember this, uh, he's not a young man, he was older and said, well, I can't read it. Can you read it for me, Kathleen? You know, these, some of these people can't even read. They're just there to work these machines and make a living. And so I've even had to educate employees on, do you know that if you're not putting dollars in your 401k account, you're not getting that match for all the 25 years that you've been working for this Nike manufacturing company. You've been giving up free money, even if it's $5 so that you can get the match. So there's so many people that are uneducated. Um, and so for me becoming a life insurance agent, I lost my mom at in my mid twenties and right. she had life insurance. And that is quite embarrassing when you don't have the money to properly bury your right. your your parent your significant other right. and so as i started to educate myself i met a young man that was in the life insurance and investment business i started to learn that there are 
numerous ways that you can really leave your family in a good financial standing. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think there's a lot of life insurance policies out there and a lot of us get lured by the cash value part of it. Um, the reality is that is way too complex for most people and you're paying larger fees had you just taken the, the part of that put it in the actual investment. So what I do is I teach people on term life insurance is simple. You set it and forget it. It is the lowest cost of life insurance plan. And you can't just do that, right? Because life insurance is not meant for, for it to last your entire life. It is meant to protect your family members. So while you have young children who haven't gone to school, um, you may be old, part mortgage. So you still have debt that you want to be able to leave them to deal with that um, and have some extra. So for me, it was important um, to be able to uh, teach people. And also a lot of people get into these policies and they don't understand how it works. Right. So as an agent, my job is to educate you to say, this is what comes with the policy. You know, when my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer, if she had had a life insurance policy, we could have taken out 40 to 70% of the life insurance money ahead of time. She could have used that to maybe uh, coordinate all of the life um, funeral expenses, maybe pay debt, pay off a mortgage. So you don't have to deal with any of that. And those are the things that people just don't understand. Right. Um, so why I'm passionate. Um, yeah. I mean, Kathleen, from that's some, that's some great information. Great, great information. I love that we could have this recorded so people could rewind and see some of this stuff. But um, <clears throat> as a Dominican from Harlem, what kind of apprehension do hey, that? Um, what kind of <laughs> we always gotta make noises? What's wrong with us? <laughs> um, what kind of apprehension do you see from our people in our community when it comes to life insurance? Because you know, I have a Jamaican mom, yeah. and she told us, like, listen, if me have life insurance, no, 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 because me, no, nobody come in, I'm asleep. I, you know, they just have the old school mentalities of you know, and you know, we can't knock them for it because a lot of those things, you know, have made us who we are today. But how do what kind of apprehensions do you see in um, within our people? Question, because I have, and not just for Caribbean families. Um, I just had a, a conversation with a Peruvian uh, mother. Mm -hmm. um, actually, her son I met, he's a realtor because I'm looking to purchase a home here in Atlanta, and he wanted to get in the business. And so, you know, his mom didn't have life insurance. And the first thing she said, well, I don't want to leave my kids any money. They're old enough. They can take care of themselves. Mm. But it was funny because as the conversation, mm. did, we went into the fact that her husband has a life insurance and she was like, wait a minute, I got to look for this. <laughs> um, interested in the one that her husband has for her, but mm. he felt like, well, I, you know, and I've even my family members, right. Who I had to convince on why it's important have, have said, well, I didn't have it. And I, you know, it is what it is. So why do they need it? And I think for us, it's about creating an opportunity for our children to really not suffer, to not struggle, to not be embarrassed. When you pass away, especially if you have young children, how are they going to sustain? Right. Or you have a spouse. There's so many women right now who literally have their spouses paying most of the bills and they have a house. 
and they have no idea that when that spouse passes away, you're not going to be able to afford the house. You're not going to be able to afford to take those children to college. You're going to struggle. And I'll tell you one thing that I hear from other agents that I've, I haven't had the opportunity and, and I'm not asking for it, but the day will come that I have to hand over that benefit claim check because maybe one of my clients has passed away. They always say, I wish I got more. I wish I got more. Right. Um, and so and, and and a lot of a lot of cultures actually use this as leverage to gain wealth because they know death is inevitable. You know, a lot of people in our community, we don't want to talk about death because you know they feel like if they talk about death, oh shit, I may die tomorrow. No, like these are things that are inevitable, and they use this as leverage to build up the younger, the yeah. younger not even in just too. death, like infinity policies. They they use them, they use them as their lender. Exactly. Right. Well, you can borrow okay. against them. Correct. So this is the question that I have. Awesome. Is it better to own a whole life insurance policy and have your business borrow against that policy as opposed to using money out of your savings account? Yeah. So for me, I'm not a pusher of whole life insurance policies. Why would you life insurance and investments? You need to understand that when you go into a high whole life insurance policy, most people don't understand how that works. Most people know that if you're not going to get the cash value without any restrictions, without any fees, there's a lot of fees that go into those whole life insurance plan and the complexity, even the index, which index uh, whole life plan is, is where you're investing your money in index funds, but they're capping the rate. So if the, the true market the actual investment market performs anywhere between eight and 12, that life insurance policy is taking some of your money to create a cash value, but they're capping the index. So there's a lot of complexity around that. I speak to the middle market. I speak to the middle-class people, the low-class people, the people who can't afford or don't have 500,000, 600,000, whatever saved up. And I think those are the, the first people that should not be in those plans because you're going to pay five to 15% more than you would if you just get into a term policy. So to answer your question, I think there are other avenues that you can take to fund a business grants. There's business loans. Matter of fact, if you go to a credit union, I'm sure that loan is going to be a lot cheaper than if you take it and you borrow your money from a whole life insurance policy. And the time that it takes to build cash value is many years. So I just don't, I, I don't push it because I don't believe in it and I don't think it really benefits us. And also if you listen to um, like real people that have done the work um, or if you look at um, Susie Orman, a lot of these true financial experts that are really trying to help us will warn you against those life insurance policies. So I say, keep it simple keep it inexpensive but when i say when i help my clients and i say here's a term here's a life policy for your family but we got to get you in the market right. what are you doing with the other part that you're, you're saving right by not going into those other types of insurance policies and put that in the actual market so if let's say your your policy is for 35 years at the end of that term you could continue it but you shouldn't have to because you should have a great chunk of change in the actual market. And that's, see, this, this is, this is, these are things I'm learning right here tonight. Um, and I know it's, it's, it's key to everybody who's listening. Mike, are you going to jump in and now, say something? It's a, it's a, to the, to the, the person's question, should, 
Should they borrow from their savings account or from that? It's a niche market when it comes to using the insurance policy as a lending tool. All right. So in that, there are certain things. This is not something where if, say, I need 20000 for my business, I, I, I'm kind of new in business or I'm looking to for startup money. This is not the option for that. This is this is not that crap. Okay. This is more so. And, and <clears throat> I, I say it not to try and lose anybody, but I say it to let them know that there are levels, okay, in anything. I don't want them to go into this mindset transformation thinking that there's going to be a set of rules that I get and I, I follow those and that takes me off and, I'm, and I, it doesn't work that way. And, right. and, and the money can get intricate and complicated and there are levels. So what happens is you have some people that throw out some things from the next from the next two or three levels and we and we as novice are looking to get in or the novice is looking to get in and it can be kind of complicated. Keep that in mind because listen, we don't do this for practice. So if you do it, when you get to the next level, remember that. Remember that you said I wanted to borrow, see if I, if I can borrow against my infinity policy. And that's more when you get into terms of private banking. So you're talking about at least two hundred and fifty thousand or, or, or higher if you're going to do a private bank account and, that you will base your policy on. And the so great, the great don't thing is, discard sorry, it, but it, you're just not there yet. The great, the great, the great thing here, <laughs> and with all this great information, guys, and it's like. It's, it's probably overwhelming for some people who have never heard it before, but the great thing is here that we have the links to Kathleen, we have the links to Michael, we have the links to Ms. Roberts and myself. Um, but we want to move on to our next question here before we kind of wrap it up a little bit. Um, the next thing that I was looking at was, um, and Kathleen brought this up, was how does one transition from a nine to five to an entrepreneur? You know, I hear so many people talking now. I mean, I have my oldest daughter. She's not even 30. And she's like, my daddy, I'm tired of working. I'm like, how are you tired of working? At your age, I had two kids. I was working overnight, going to class. I was doing all types of stuff. But um, I think after the... Um, the break that we had with the, the the quarantining and you know people kind of started to wisen up. So for a person that's just been working and they're tired of working, they realize you know I've been doing all of this. I've been working for twenty years. I don't have any much money saved. How do they transition to a nine to five? Yeah, um, that's um, a great question because I and, think. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, um, I just think that also something that we touched on was mindset, and I do want to talk about that a little bit because I had to do it. I had to transition from teaching to, to working for myself and not knowing, being used to that every other week paycheck and feeling that anxiety of not knowing like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's scary when you have kids, you know, you had a little bit of money saved up. I had to um, take a sacrifice from other things and then you jump in, but you want to educate yourself the most. I think the best advice I could give anyone is to eliminate the distractions. There are a million things externally that are pulling you in every other direction that's not going to get you to where you are. Center yourself. Get quiet. I mean, at the time when I was transitioning, just to tell you one small story, I started growing plants. Like, I just started growing plants because it was something that, you know, I always kind of wanted to do. And it was just so relaxing. We had all this time on our hands. I kind of practiced it in the classroom with my kids before when I was teaching fourth grade. So I kind of knew how to germinate and stuff. But overall, just seeing that life coming from darkness was so um, motivational for me. And it taught me so much, you know, and so much can bloom from that. So go within yourself, read books, do your research, do your work, um, get centered. Stay around like-minded people. 
Show me your friends, I'll tell you who you are. Those That saying has been around before all of us were born here. And it, it's living for a reason. It stayed alive for a reason because mm-hmm. it's true. You know, they say that you're only five or $10,000 away from um, your friend's bank account after 10 years of being away, being with each other. So either you're going to go down or go up. So you have to really keep that in mind. So just what are some things? And Kathleen, I know you wanted to jump in there. Mike, I see you kind of itching. Ms. Roberts, I see you smiling. So everybody wants, well, how do we transition from the nine to five to entrepreneurship? Everybody wants to know. Well, as a business coach, going into the pandemic, I was set to transition. Up. We, have, we have a lot of things we do. We have 18-wheel trucks. Well, we have real estate. I do business coaching. We have Airbnb. Now, going into the pandemic, I was set to relinquish business business coaching. It got to the point where it just couldn't be fair to the client because we had so many businesses we were working on ourselves. I couldn't devote the time. Right. So I had to pretty much cut it down to only my more advanced clients and really not handle my novice clients. So as I announced to everybody, because we were set to do this huge real estate acquisition deal with 95 properties, and uh, thanks to Milton, <laughs> and- what happened was the person, the seller, was doing a mall. So, of course, when the pandemic hit, his mall imploded and him selling us these 95 properties imploded. So I had to do a shift. So and in doing that shift, I had announced to everybody I was no longer going to be business coaching. Every single person said, listen, I got one cousin. Could you just take my cousin? Could you just take my friend? So my client is grew, and I wound up doing that going into the pandemic, right? So what I noticed was, 65% of my clients were transitioning from their nine to five and they were like, okay, this is a sign from God. Let's do something else. So I have a lot of experience in that transition. The first thing you need to do is change your mindset. And I, and I understand it and I, and I get it because when I first wanted to become an entrepreneur, I became very impatient with everybody telling me work, 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 work. Listen, I'm becoming an entrepreneur so I don't have to work, 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 work. And what I found is now that I'm six, I have some degrees of success, I've only achieved that through work, 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 work. So I'm realizing now that some of the things that we hear repetitively and we hear that we, we may overlook them are very important because I needed those foundational steps in order to take the next ones. So if you're looking to transition, the first thing you need to do is you need to take on the mindset of an entrepreneur. What does that mean, Mike? You keep, on saying, you keep means, on saying mindset. What is what does mindset mean? Now, the reason why we say mindset and the reason why when you say it is such a passionate because it's, it's an encompass. It encompasses everything. Okay. Right. You are not going to change one or two things. Well, if I change my sleeping habits and I change this, then now I can be. No, you're going to have to change everything because entrepreneurship, it affects everything. Your relationship, your parenting. Your 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 budgeting, your finances, your everybody. Where did, so where do we start? So so Miss Roberts and I love what Mike is saying because I agree with it a hundred percent. But you know me and my, Mike and myself, we talk all the time, so we build off of this and we got to this from these type of conversations because you need that network, you need that person to lean on sometimes because it gets tough. Miss Roberts, what can what can you give us about mindset and transitioning? Well, I can tell you, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. My father was a laborer. My father taught us a hard day's work equals a hard day's pay. Mm. So when my husband decided I'm going to leave his nine to five and he's pregnant, <laughs> I said, you're going to do what? <laughs> and I'm nine months pregnant. You're doing what? Mm-hmm. I, I was not happy. I was mad. Right. Love right. We had a plan. Right. right. He started AT&T. He was saving $200 a month 
He bought us a home. Our mortgage was never in jeopardy. I, I was a stay-at-home mom, although I was a professional. I decided to stay home with my kids. I tell my clients now that during the Great Depression, there were more millionaires made in America than any other time. Mm. If COVID-19 is your Great Depression, what are you looking to do? And yes, it requires a mindset shift. So me personally, although I have several, I have two LLCs, I have an escort, I'm still a nine to fiver. Nine to five pays my children's tuition. My children, and, and also in creating generational wealth, my children have no student debt. Each and every, each and every one of them did five years. Both of my girls who are smart, they have two bachelor's degree because I paid for them with my nine to five. That's in addition to doing my, my businesses on the side. So with my book, Debt is a Disease That Can Be Cured. Can you see that? No. That's, just no, focus it. Can. Just hold it, hold it there. Exactly. Don't focus. There we go. There we go. It's called Excessive Debt is a Disease That Can Be Cured. And Kathleen, I love what you said about insurance. It's all in my book. Exactly what you said. (laughs) That's to say, (laughs) it requires a mindset shift. It requires, you know, University of YouTube. It requires reading. Oh, my goodness. Aligning yourself up with people. I don't know any billionaires, very honestly, but the people that I hang with are going in my direction. Yes, ma'am. How do you find them? If you want to be a millionaire, you don't know any millionaires, University of YouTube. Read. Read. Read it and they will come. And I I say that to say there's always the appropriate time to do what you have to do while doing your nine to five as well because we have mortgages to pay. You said you had little children to to maintain. That's right. I had to provide for my household while I did my entrepreneurship. So someone said, how can you do that? How about on month she has a mobile phlebotomy business? That's amazing. Mm. So if you can be off work on Monday and Tuesdays, why not put it in your car at that point and say, listen, I will come to you on Monday Beautiful. and Tuesdays. My barber, I go to a barber now. He's from the Bronx. He's in Maryland now. BX. Yes. Sorry. yes. <laughs> we were talking and I said to him, why don't you do a mobile barbershop? Mm. Right. The barbershop is closed on Monday and Tuesday. Give out your business card. Go to the places of business and hand out your card. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who did. He, he switched from his renting to he had a whole big truck now. And he's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, sometimes he's parking on my block. He's like, you got to get that truck off the block sometimes. But, you know, I love the drive. <laughs> I love and that the drive. transition starts from doing that mindset work. Mike, when let me say one thing about mindset real quick. Because yeah. we keep on saying mindset. I want to add something to that. When we're saying mindset, guys, we're actually visualizing where you see yourself setting your mind there and never taking it off. My phone is my vision board. Anything you see on my phone, I ain't going to show you all the stuff that's on my vision board, is what I'm going to get. And I've been proving it for over a year. We're in the phone all the time, so why not use it? Set your mind. I have a poster on my wall, my 30 days. I have a calendar right here on my desk, another 30 days. I'm always seeing what I want for this week. I set closing dates on dates because I expect it. I expect money. I expect riches. When the birds get up in the morning, they're not worrying about getting getting food. They're not worrying about worms. They're chirping. You know, they're happy. <laughs> they expect to eat that day, Q. They expect to eat. And oh, they're they going to eat, too. They're going to eat. Because you know why they expect it? And, you know, we have a mindset of talking about what we don't have. Let's talk about what we want. Let's talk about where we see, where we see ourselves and believe it. 
yeah. tangibles. And when to switch and when to switch my nine to five, first thing I would do is I'm going to read everything. And when people say, Well, what should I read? With everything, okay. My book. It definitely read her start with, with, start with the book. Then once I tell my clients this, once you've taken your time, you're gonna read because you're gonna do multiple readings, okay? That's one thing I tell try to encourage at least at least 20 pages a day. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're going to in a physical way, you gotta turn the book. There's a reason why, you know what I mean? Well, you gotta turn the pages, physical. So you're gonna read everything. Then what you're gonna do is you're gonna make certain lifestyle changes and mindset changes. You're gonna get in the habit of meditating. You're gonna get in the habit of visualizing, in the habit of vibrations. And it has it because th that's preparing you that once you enter those rooms, you now belong in those rooms. Mm -hmm. Because if I just drop you in those rooms right now, you're a UFO. You have no idea what's going on. So you you're going to take this is all preparation for the journey. You're mm -hmm. not ready even to start traveling yet. We pack in your bag. So you read everything. Mm -hmm. Then when that I see that when you see the mind shifts up, the, the mindset starts to shift where you no longer get up at 10 o'clock on Sundays because you have nothing to do. I'm up every day at 5 30. I'm back in bed by 1 32. Right. Okay. And even then, if I can't sleep, I'm researching. Entrepreneurs I'm don't sleep. I, I, Mike, Michael knows how Michael knows how this looks here. He knows how upstairs of my looks because we're always on FaceTime talking and working. we can always catch each other. If we're doing a deal, we're basically married to each other for that time because yep. the dedication and mindset, everybody has to be on the same page for that deal to close or for us to get for us to get it. So, so now so, you're reading, you're you you're, you're learning things, you're learning useful things. We're not reading hood books. We're reading. We're, we're, we're reading the stuff. What kind of books, students, Mike? What kind of books? Is <laughs> we don't. This is just good in its context, but these are things we have to do now. We're going. Right. We're going to. We're going to Rome, so we right. need to read the Roman right. travel manual because right. everything is foreign, and right. you are to enter as if everything is foreign, and you don't know anything. Right. Whatever information you have is good, but right. you're going to go into this as if you don't know anything. And I can now. You start now. Once you're to the point where you 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 can network, and you can people be like, "Well, where am I going to network? What network can I?" It, it, there are literally events that just say networking. It doesn't say the funny thing about it, Mike. Videos, networking for second just networking. Go to Mike, those events, Mike. The funny thing then, about it is, once you start, don't you realize, Paula and Kathleen, that things just start to fall into place once happens. you ask it, once it you ask the question organically, it starts to fall into place. The next phase is low hanging fruit. You you enter the rooms, small things. Oh, this turns into three hundred bucks a week here, four hundred bucks a week. Next thing you know, you've replaced your salary already. And people call you lucky, and yeah. they don't realize that luck is what when hard work meets the opportunity. Hard the yes, hard, hard work, work meets opportunity. That's luck. That's not. That's not if, luck. Go ahead, Kathleen. I want to give the people who are watching though some actual um tangible uh, that they can take uh, action this week. So. Mm. Doesn't matter what kind of business you're looking to open. Yes, I always say mindset is the most expensive thing to an entrepreneur. Mm. If you are already an expert at something, don't try to sway so far left. If you're good at something, hone Same into that real. because that's going to make it very easy for you to stay committed, stay driven, stay in belief of whatever it is, what business you're trying to um, encounter. But there are organizations, so SCORE.org is S-C-O-R-E.org. They will give you a mentor, coach, business for free. So for me, 
it was launching my HR consulting. There is an evaluation form that you complete when you get on there and they connect you with someone who's actually done the work and who has the business already. So I connected with someone who's now telling me how she's doing payroll for companies, what kind of system she's using. And it's not only giving me the technical things that I'm going to need to be successful in my business as an entrepreneur, but she can connect with me when I'm not feeling my you know, my greatest one week. It's like, mm -hmm. let's not get into sales because if you've been in corporate America and now oh, you're God. In sales, that's a whole different animal. You right. need to different. You got to go after it every single day, right. but she is there to push you. So score.org is a great way to connect with somebody that can push you and help you with the technical and every other aspect of the business. That, that's crazy. That's crazy. You never told me about that cat. We I talk have, all the time. <laughs> we talk all the time. You see, you see all of us, we keep on emphasizing connecting, connecting the networking. You know why? Because sometimes the people that you grew up with, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, they see you as the person you've always been, not what you're going to be. They don't have your mindset. They don't see that vision. So you end up start getting more support from strangers. Correct. And then you know, more is um, SBA, so small business. Um, I think it's association or small business uh, association, I believe. Yeah. Small so, business administration. Yes. SBA. They have a ton of stuff on there, particularly mm. your state um, grants, business loans, how to manage your debt, how to manage your business um, finances, all of that stuff. Networking. Everything is becoming digital now. How to manage your digital marketing, analytics. Right commerce, all of that. So there are a lot of great and free resources out there. Um, and I think that's the stuff that we really, the technical stuff that we need to be successful in our business, because reality is that, you know, if when you're doing it for your nine to five, you've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got PR, you've got IT. Now you got to be all of that for yourself, but right. you don't it by yourself there's organizations that are looking and right now women are dominating we have grown 30 percent um in new businesses new entrepreneurs are women 30 percent and so i think there's more and more women organizations that are looking to support us that's great and i think that one thing that wealthy people always say and to, to create this mindset why we keep on stressing it guys is that if you take all the money in the world and divide it up evenly because you know people say hey he was born rich or he got lucky and you divide it up among everyone evenly, they say in 50 years, all the money will go back to where it started because of mindset. You know, Damn. black people do have a consumer mentality and we've been trained to buy and look fly because it's all based off of ego and insecurity because we've been suppressed for so long. So once you understand your people and you understand what you've been through, you start to gain your confidence of who you are and you tap into who you are. And you realize that trading trading time for money is not it. Time is so valuable. You need to go to the park. You need to be there for your kids. If somebody has a, a nosebleed, you have to go pick them up in an emergency. That is value. That is rich. That and, is wealthy to I'm, me. And the, re and, this, and, like, the reason why I stress this so, so much, so, so much, um, how do I explain it? The that last because we're about to wrap up with the um how we how we keep it going forever. Okay. This is very important. The the last three years have been phenomenal for my for my companies. All right, we we've done great. Okay, um, I, I just moved I just moved into my house. It's basically a mansion. It's beautiful, it, it's beautiful. Great. He has five acres in his backyard. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we, we we've done great. Right. right. <laughs> I literally this year 
Last year I had a mild heart attack. This year I was rushed to the ER uh, for, for blood pressure. Uh, the mental, the mental, how, how would I say? I'm not crazy by a long shot, but there are places you're going to find yourself because <laughs> with anything there's growth, okay? So I tell people the mindset is so important because like the resources there, like Kathleen told you, the resources there. You have Paula that's telling you the knowledge is there. Do not place this information, which is like life-giving water, in a dirty glass. So to clean your glass, you have to change your mindset. Or you will you will devalue the information and the resources. I've seen tons of people get SBA money that pissed down the drain. Right. Even with the resources, even with the knowledge in it, because they didn't have and I know real Mello, life experience. And I know Mello and Q, not to cut you there, Mike, but great, great information. I know Mello and Q are going to be touching on um, another way we can start um, tapping into our mindset, and that's with nutrition. You know, and that's another place that we're Health very miseducated and uneducated in, 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 our, in our community. In our community, Mike, stop. Stop being me. Um, um, we, we, we don't eat. We don't eat right. And when we do eat, we eat the wrong things. And that's from miseducation. All right. So let's keeping the um it going. Melo, did you want to jump in here? Okay. Or... So there are a few things I'd like to touch on. Um, so here are a couple facts that I pulled um, from a few different um, sources. The, the basis pretty much for this show is to educate people on how to start a business, how to get out of debt, just financial literacy in general. But there are some very surprising facts that like blew my mind. So in 2019, the median household income for black for the black immigrant population was $57,200. Black Americans have consistently had the lowest median income in the given years 1967 to 2020, while Asian Americans have the highest median income that was typically double that of Black Americans. That's, that's astounding. Not to mention the fact that Black people are major consumers in the American economy and spend more than $1 trillion a year on goods and services. Yeah, they put rims in their car. They put rims on their car before insurance sometimes, you know, because it's 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 ego based. Yeah, and we definitely have to get out of that mindset. I you know, have one, to... one culture has a relationship right. with work that's gorgeous because they believe hard work is in their culture, and another culture has a relationship that work is forced on us. So, and being now that we're free, the first thing we want to do is avoid work. Right. That that that's a natural trail of thought. But, but let me tell you something about work and avoiding work. Um, the things in this country that they want you, that they don't want you to do, they'll tax you on it. So if you're speeding on the highway, you're going to get that ticket, right? And we don't like to get the tickets. We don't want to get taxed. The things that they want to encourage you to do, they give you money for. So when, when, you, when welfare could be used to get you to another step, right? But staying there keeps you on a cap. And people think that, you know, it's free money so I can stay back. And it, it really stifles you. It cripples you. It cripples your kids because you're giving them a sign. Because, you know, kids, they don't do what we, what we tell them to do. They do what we do. They do what we do. You want a kid to read, pick up a book, and they're going to start reading it, you know? So I think it's so important to set that trend. And I want to segue, if I can, into how we keep this wealth 
going? How do we maintain it? Because I spoke to a friend to my, of mine today and he said that you listen, Milton, it's not just within the family. You have to educate the community because if you're training just your child, guess what? Your child is hanging out with Freddie next door and their parents are doing something different. And you can't tell them you can't hang out with Freddie. So you have that, you know, you have that balance. That's why um, my end goal is to build a school because I know that when it comes down to education, we are not going to see a change overnight. We're going to talk to people that have like minds like ourselves, try to create wealth by educating other people. But it's really the children that's going to save us. It's really the children that's going to carry on whatever we start here. You know, if you could give your kid a free and clear house to get started with where they don't have a mortgage, you know, that starts something for their kid where they could give their house, their kid two houses and a couple hundred thousands to get started. That's wealth. So what do we have to do right now with our kids and what can we do right now with our kids right now? Because I see people starting as, as low as three months old. Their kid is in the belly and they have a corporate account and all types. So what can we do tangibly now, um, Ms. Roberts, um, uh, with kids to, to get them into um, the mindset that, to maintain the wealth in our community? Yeah. There are so many good, great topics. I just want to jump in. This so on this Let me say this. Um, we have to be in a position where we give our kids employable skills. Not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. We need to get them off the, ro the welfare rolls and the mindset of what they're seeing in an everyday environment. So if you build an individual, you, you empower their families and you build their community, right? So I opened up a, I opened up a school called the Sumer Prime School of Healthcare in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C. Why? Because me and my business partner, we've been registered nurses, started out of Brooklyn, New York. We mm. got our LPNs and we recognize with the healthcare crisis, how do we fix this? Who can fix this? We can fix this. If I teach you how to become a nurse's aide and I give you a pathway into becoming a registered nurse and then becoming into an advanced practice nurse, this is how you build a community. Mm. So we we have we still have the highest high school dropout rate right and of that rate 52 percent of them are african-american males and 43 percent of them are african-american females what are they doing right and not what doing. are they doing what are they doing and this all goes back to what we didn't discuss today was the family the yeah. families i was coming right there yeah if you know we also have one third of our kids being raised by single parents how does that impact everything that we do? Latchkey kids, who's making them do their homework? Mm. Are they being entertained by the television? Mm. When the mother or the father has to work overtime so mm -hmm. that they can pay the rent, who's maintaining the meals in this household? That also lends to our health conditions, right? That's right. So if right. our families aren't solid, that's right. Or we don't have a job that's going to allow us to make some more. Because there's white collar money and there's blue collar money. Right. It's still a nine to five. But when you have when we had with the COVID incident, you had blue collar who had no way of getting sick and getting getting paid. Where you had white collar, if I got sick on my job and I got COVID, and praise God, I never did. I deal with COVID every day. I get sick time. I get free time. Right. They say, you go home, you get better, you come back. Blue collar, you have five days a week to use, or five days a year to use for sick time, and then you can't come back. So building wealth means educating the individual, the community, giving people employable skills, right. allowing them to work right. and then telling them that there's a pathway. It's like what you said, 
once you see them in that workforce, you say, hey, he can do it. Why can't I? Right. I was teaching adult education, Ms. Roberts, uh -huh. in Brooklyn, Harlem um, for years. And I noticed that, you know, with students that are coming back to school, going into college and entering college, I found that they had the same problems in math that third and fourth graders had. It's like after I taught there, I was a math coach at an um, elementary school in the Bronx. And I saw that the third and fourth graders were having the same problems as adults, which means that they was they got they got slipped right there. They got slipped, they got slipped up right there. And there's some key things in terms of what is passed down from parenting. Because a lot of times when parents say, Oh, I don't like math, I was never good at math. You know what you did? You just gave your your kid an 80% more chance of failing because now you're giving them out. You don't like math, and once it gets hard, what do you think I'm gonna do? if my mother and father don't like math. So I created math um, multiplication posters for kids. It has their name on the top, it has their career goal in the bottom, you know, something that they could put in their house, especially during the, the quarantine time when they weren't in school and they weren't getting that one-to-one -one interaction. And it's actually changing their lives because if you could get somebody, who wants to do anything that, they don't, that they're not good at? Nobody, you know, nobody does. But these kids are on these video games all the time and the, the parents are kind of using it as like a babysitter to be completely honest and and they're getting to school and they're completely frustrated so if you tell me i'm i'm, I'm i don't know anything that's going on in school my kids are looking at me the social aspect is everything to them at that that, that age third fourth fifth sixth grade they're going to go and move towards something that they are good at so i think that it's so important to touch them in the beginning i also have a counting chart that's bilingual you know, that kids can learn how to count through quantity and words, you know, on a poster at home so they can have the head start. Because as the black family, Miss Roberts, that's what starts it. That's my, my mom was my first teacher. And matter of fact, she was my toughest teacher. No teacher has ever topped my mom in terms of strictness. So when I got to school, I got a little chance to, you know, talk to Kathleen and Mike because I, was, I knew what I was doing from home. And that's so important to building wealth. What you're yeah. talking about is called cultural capital cultural reproduction. So I'm sorry, social reproduction. Okay. And we we are designed to reproduce the communities we come from. Mm. It is in, we're in a capitalistic nation. So if your parents are doctors, lawyers and politicians, the kids have capital. The teachers look like them. So they're going to mm -hmm. talk to that. They're going to talk exactly. about vacation and investment. Exactly. It's cultural capitalism. Mm -hmm. But when you don't have the same linguistic capital Meaning my teacher is from a different cultural behavior and belief from me. And I live in an inner city and my parents have no, no education. They're not going to talk to me on the same level. So we reproduce. If my parents are working in the blue collar environment, so does the child. Because you're educated in that same realm. It's, right. called, cultural, it's called social reproduction. Mm -hmm. And that cultural capitalism, cultural linguistics. All of that's a part of the, the political and economic society. That we're right. In. right now, in my house, it, it is it is like, as far as in my mind, it's like it's equivalent to a plane that's crashing and it's an emergency. Because now I'm like, we actually have some things. Like, we actually right. have some shit. So I don't want y'all messing this up. Like, right. like, I will come down and haunt y'all. All this work for y'all to mess this up. So what I have, so I'm looking at like, I'm really looking at like it's an emergency. And what the first thing they say is, put your mask on first and then get the child right. When right. you look at them, them, them plane crashes, right? right? So I'm like, okay, let's get the, where, first thing is we constantly, consistently, because it's never, mindset is, mindset is not a destination. It, it, it's, it's a life. 
All right. So we keep it open. We keep open mind. We let them see us do things like read. We read That's them. Right. We read things to them. I argued with my kid's teacher. It was a very short argument because it mm -hmm. just wasn't going to get done. And that's all it was. She was like, oh, well, he missed a lot of days due to COVID. He was homeschooled a lot of days due to COVID. He didn't miss a lot of days. Well, we need him to come in. No, you need your federal check for him making the right attendance days. But him and his sister, they're four and they're six. They can't come in today because we're closing on 1.3 million in property. So that's where they'll be. They'll be at the closing table for those closings. They'll see because you know what? In your school system, you didn't even teach my son how to sign his name in cursive. Exactly. The, the biggest part of the closing. Exactly. So you're not preparing this. I do not rely on schools to prepare my children. Because and as a teacher, do it when it's intended. It's preparing my child to be a factory worker. Right. right? And as a so, teacher, I could definitely say that there's teachers out here like like myself that make sure I have to incorporate real life tangible skills and tools to give them, especially our children that have these 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 type of obstacles. But school overall will produce what it produces. All you have to do is just right. look at the answers, you know. So overall, I think that um what we're doing and what we're talking about is equipping our kids to get to a different place. But but um, wait, anybody else? The younger ones, my older ones. I have twenty. I have 20, 21, and 25. Oh, let's talk about them. Six I have a 20 and 28-year-old. So we got to keep all line. Can't leave anybody. First thing yeah. I did was tell the old, I got the old, was relinquish this concept that we are grown and we move out of our parents' house and we make it happen on our own and da 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 So you understand, you understand that some cultures, you do not move out of your parents' home until you're ready to start your own home with your own family. It gives you a, a set of preparedness. It gives you an opportunity. You're not just thrown out into the world and have to experience dumb shit, like put water into the bottom of the milk to just a cereal. We're <laughs> skipping that. You don't need those ratchet lessons. I did so that I, for you, right? Yeah, so I forced yeah. them. And the first thing is all five of my children have corporations, okay? Obviously, the two older, the three older ones are the ones that are active. Okay, one likes eyelashes. She has an eyeline corporation. Another one is real big into holistic health. She has a health and beauty line corporation. Another one is into. Uh, she's a dental assistant. She has her own tooth whitener. But from early, before they even knew what they wanted to do, they had corporations. My other two, six and five, six and four, they have corporations. They're waiting for them. That way, when they figure it out. They already have the vehicle. They already have the time. They can get funding very easily. And they have somebody that's So I tell them, listen, this is the family business. You guys don't got to like 18-wheel trucks. You don't got to like real estate. But you're going to learn it. That way you have the funding to do what you else you want to do. See, now they see a future in it. Not just it's predicted and ordained and determined. They see a future that they can participate in. They can guide. They can shape. And so I, I tell them, don't look at the family business as what you're chained to, and this is your obligation. This is your funding. This is so, your bank. So exposing mm -hmm. exposing our kids is definitely something that we need to do. We have to expose them in what we're doing. I try to do that, and I think that that's something that gives them something tangible to jump off of and jump onto. Um, yeah. I know that um, 529 account for student um, for, for, for um, is good for saving money because you could take money out of the account for tax-free. You know, you can put money in there and it's great. And it, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a cushion for, you know, a big investment, which is college. Um, right. I think we were going to talk about college versus entrepreneurship, but I think we kind of covered that a little bit. Um, um, Melo, did you want to jump in with something else there? Was there anything else? I know you had some key questions in terms of people who just kind of like get wanted to get into it right now. Okay, so just for our audience. 
right now, um, I'm directing this question towards all of the guests. I would appreciate it if all of you would give your input. What's, <laughs> what's the best thing to invest in right now overall? And what's the best thing to invest $1,000 into right now? Well, I'll start. Um, and, and I want to go back a little bit um, to the previous question. With the life insurance, um, my kids know what to do with the money, and I've written it down on a will. So they know that a hundred grand of that chunk, they've got to put in the investment in the market so that they can let it sit and then they can live off either the, the residuals of that or it, they can use it for something later on. But they know exactly how them to use that. I think it's important to not just leave life insurance, but to leave a will or a trust in hand so that your children don't mismanage that money and they know exactly how to use it. Um, for this question, for me, I do safe index funds, S&P 500, set it and forget it. I'm still young. I'm not mm. looking to touch that for the next 20, 10 to 25 years. If you talk to any good investor, they will tell you that. Specifically, if you're not someone that's like, expert in trading, um, index funds, mutual funds do well with that, with just leaving it there. Um, I personally use Fidelity, but it's that's to person. Um, and then, um, in, in, uh, really, you know, that's my next goal. And I think Michael touched on There's so many ways to gain a lot of passive income there. So I, that, that those would be my two. Awesome. For me, um, all of my children have Roth IRAs and Roth is post-tax money. So when they're investing, they max out, maximum is $500 a month. They max out. So they're putting in $6,000 a year. So over their lifetime, they're in their twenties. If they're investing $500 a month, $6,000 a year times 40 years, they're putting in about a quarter of a million dollars. If they gain... It's only 10% interest in, I, I suggest the S&P 500. It's safe. And all 500 top American country companies are not going to crash at one time. Yep. They're safe. Once that happens, they're investing a quarter of a million dollars and they can have $5.5 million. I don't tell my clients or my children to invest in individual stocks unless you have money in which you can afford to lose. I invest in individual stocks but all of my assets are secured. That's great. Awesome. Okay. Um, I I would take a little different approach. Um, those are great. I agree with both of those. Um, definitely, if I had, if, if I'm looking to invest on the larger scale, real estate, please don't fall for that. Uh, interest rates are up. The market is crazy. That's nothing to do with you. Okay. Yeah, the interest rates are, are crazy, and this happened. I've seen people during times of great interest rates still not walk away with a great interest rate. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get your foot in the damn door. Okay. But when the market is crazy, there's loopholes and there's and there's unique and neat situations, and you're probably gonna find something in your price point. So get in when the market is crazy. So I would do real estate. If I had a thousand dollars, I'm a little different because I'm wired a little different, and I. Entrepreneurs and flows through my brain. Um, if I was down, if I was down and I know I have a thousands right now, what would I do? Knowing what I know, I would take and I would invest in a uh, a dispatching class for eighteen wheel trucks. Okay, class is going to run you eight to eight hundred to a thousand bucks. The class is going to take you about a week. 
Once you conclude that class, you're going to have access to four load boards. You can get on Facebook and find truckers that will use you for dispatching, where you will make a percentage off of their loads. You will see your $1,000 back in two weeks. All right. And then you have a business, you have a stream that's now scalable, and you can invest more money as you make it to advertising, taking on more clients, then eventually bring on some people to help you out. You can grow with just a thousand bucks. You'll see a quick return, and it's a stream. Right. I just moved my car mm. from Arizona to Maryland. Cost me $2,100. So you're right. Wow. It cost you a car. <laughs> cost you a car to move the car. So I think mine is pretty simple. Um, and I want it to be simple because I want people to be able to get it started tonight right after. Um, invest in yourself. Mm, uh, yep. Mm -hmm. Qu quiet your brain. Eat better. Meditate. Be comfortable in silence. Listen more. Talk less. As a communicator, because we're all talkers up here. Mello and Q, y'all talk too. Yeah, this kind of quiet tonight, but we all talkers up here. But the best part of communication is listening. Associate with the people that you want to be like. Associate with those people. You may have to change your, your, your social venues. You may be going to different venues, but associate with people that, that you aspire to be like. And for the kids, um, like you guys were saying, I would say kids are so much smarter than us, you know, because we evolve. So the things that we don't think that they pick up on, they do pick up on. So just exposing them and having them around, you know, um, Kathleen, you having your daughter around, you know, you know, Mike, I know your sons also did just them seeing what you and your wife are doing is teaching them. So exposing them, I expose my daughter to what I'm doing with tutoring because she's, a, you know, she's on a national junior honor society. So I'm like, Chase, this is easy money for you. You know, let them hit your cash app up if you want to do homework. But get everybody on the Zoom at one time and do homework for 10 minutes. And everybody do follow. Listen, we can make the money happen. Real estate is what I'm into. So a lot of people have a lot of mis misconceptions of real estate. Um, I started real estate back in 04 and 05, left real estate, went back to teaching when the market crashed in 08 and 09. And I came back as a sole proprietor, which means I work for banks, but I don't work for any one bank. They can't fire me. So what I do, and I'm going to wrap this up here, Q. What I do is I try to um, work with... No, no, I'm just trying, because honestly, I'm kind of using this as a closing also with the question. Um, so I'm going to let you guys talk. But with that, you could come to me, Q, and you could have a situation that's completely different than Michael. 200 point difference in your credit score, and I could get you a loan. With this loans, private people, I know private people that have millions of dollars that will give you a loan, as long as the, the loan makes sense which has nothing to do with your credit. Most people don't know that. There's hard money financing. There's private financing. I do conventional loans, FHA. So the average person that wants to come and get their house and, and refinance their house, yes, we could do that. We could accommodate that. And don't let people degas you. The interest rates are market rate. So they're not going to go too much and too much down. Everybody's kind of giving you. But I have the different lenders that accommodate different people. So with that being said, real estate is something that even if you're not an investor, buy your house. Do the work, don't be a renter, and buy your house. And in 20 years, 30 years, you'll put yourself and your kids in a better place. Well, um, Q, you I'll know just, this is going to be like this. I'll just, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say before I close out the show, um, starting with Kathleen, I need you to uh, let the audience know how could they get in touch with you? I, I know that I do have some friends in the Atlanta area and they would definitely be interested in insurance. And I think that everybody needs to be concerned and, and understanding about insurance. So you guys 
let the audience know how to get in touch with you, what you do specifically, specifically, so they could um figure out or maybe have an understanding of what direction they need to go to next. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Q, today for having me and Milton for inviting me on this platform. More than just, you know, having it build an income for me, it's about educating and helping families so that they don't find themselves in the position that I found myself when I lost my mom. But um, you can find me on Ingrid, I-N-G-R-I-D, the letter N, co.com for any HR. If you need to get a job, if you need to negotiate, I'm a master negotiator as well. Um, yes. For life insurance, um, you can also follow me on primerica.com slash cat Castillo, um, or you can contact me at 1-800-319-5628. And Q, I'd love to network with anybody that you have here in the Atlanta area. I am regulated and licensed for the state of New Jersey, Georgia, and New York City. Awesome. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Jump in there. Oh, okay. I can reach you. Michael McKinney, um, you can, for business coaching, you can reach me at Ventures Capital is, is the corporation where we do our business coaching. 888-651-5557. Um, I mean, we're, I'm also on Instagram. It's both, both things, the Ventures Capital and Michael McKinney. I believe it's Michael McKinney 26 and Facebook, so forth. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so yeah, we're available, we're available for, for business coaching. Uh, we're doing real estate. Right now, we're in the middle of a debt raise for our new project. I, I love fundraising, milk. So we're in the middle of our new project. Um, Mom has decided that we need to get into the into the, the, the food service industry. So we're, we're looking to hopefully have the doors at our first wing stop. Shout out to Miss White. Shout out to Miss White. Shout out to Mom. Listen, okay. I, can vouch, I can vouch for these two guys in terms of what they do. They're not only good people, but I've seen them go through transitions in their lives, personal as well as business-wise, and they're thorough, they're solid. Um, Mike and myself, we, we've done, we've moved mountains together, you know, um, um, personally. Um, overall, myself, what I do is I am a mortgage consultant, so I help people, as I was kind of explaining before, get their first home, get their investment house, um, refinance their house, um, and just educate people. Because I have the background in education with teaching, I love what I do. Um, I just like to help people. I like to see, I like to, I like the feeling that they get when they actually achieve what they want. So with that being said, I'm helping the adults, but I'm also helping the kids. So with my website, just not to jump around, um, my website for um, mortgage consulting and real estate investing is XRG Group Inc. It says XR. G G R O U P I N C dot com, XRG Group Inc dot com. And you have all my information on there. Once you go there and just um, navigate through the website, you can see my phone number, my email address. Also, so for the kids and my education background, I still tutor privately in my house. Um, I have a, a few students. I love those kids. Shout out to my kids, my superstars. I'm going to get some math movements t shirts for them. But my company is mathmovements.com. Um, somebody's always trying to buy that domain name. Um, but I, I love it because I'm able to reach the kids right into their home with something personal that they make themselves. They design it themselves. They see their name on the poster, their times tables that their mother and father is always pushing them to do. It becomes a little bit more fun for them now because it has their career goal in the bottom. And it's something that they are part of making. So they kind of um, just take it on a little bit more. And I like to see that because I know and I've seen the difference 
those kids will become different adults. They will become more confident in what they're doing to get them to the next step. So yes, visit me there on mathmoments.com or xrggroupinc.com, and I'll get right back to you to serve whatever needs that you guys do have. I just thank, I'm just so happy that all you guys are here. And Paula, please let us know where you can be reached and please plug your book again. Well, my name is Paula Roberts and I am a nurse anesthetist by profession. My passion is debt coaching. I believe if you can control your debt, you can control your lifestyle. The name of my book is Excessive Debt is a Disease that Can Be Cured. My website is Roberts Target Financials.com. That's Roberts Target Financial.com. My book is on pre order. It will be on pre order on Amazon. I believe the second week of July, it will go live for orders early August. So I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. And just for our viewers, um, I'd like to uh, let you know that we're hoping to get um, Ms. Roberts back on the show for a one-on-one interview, uh, hopefully as a preview, you know, a prelude to her book. Um, but That's awesome. we'll talk. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, with that, all I can say is you saw the excitement by the panelists when they were talking about being able to educate all of us with these issues and one of the things when we have shows is that you want to be able to not focus on the problem, but focus more on the solution. And I think these four have done an excellent job with focusing on the solution and giving us some realistic starting points on how we can break the curse, um, attack some generational things. And uh, basically they gave us the cover cover of what really happened on Jekyll Island. <laughs> and how we got shut out of the financial uh, Completely. thing. And now we, we're here. We're here. Right. And there's mm-hmm. nothing we can do about it but go forward. Right. Um, as I always say, your feet are facing forward for a reason. So I appreciate you guys. You guys have definitely educated myself and the uh, audience. And really, really, um, I can't tell you guys how uh, – Grateful I am for you guys to come on tonight and and, and spend this hot evening educating, teaching, um, giving us giving us actually most people pay for this type of information. So <laughs> giving us something. So um I my my co-host, I appreciate her to the fullest. She's definitely uh has given us a great vision and um this week has been interesting week with uh, what we try to do behind the scenes and how we really want to make some changes, not just for ourselves, but as a community as a whole. So, you know, I really thank you guys for joining the show. And thank you guys for making this come to life. Thank you. Thank you guys for making this come to light. Thank you so much, Melo. I had this vision and you guys made it even better than what what I what I anticipated. And you know, as all of us are not experts, we all teach each other. And I love that from because there's no small question or big one. So thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. With that, with that you guys so can stay on after I close the show. Awesome. And sometimes it takes it to another level. It's just based, just kind of just teasing, man. So I just feel like um, right now the state of women are most acceptable.